The following is from the teaching ministry of First Baptist Church of Royal City, Washington. More teaching like this can be found at graceteaching.net or searching Grace-Oriented Teaching wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here is our speaker. We'll read in verse 14. It says, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you, for though we have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore, I beseech you, be imitators of me. For this cause have I sent you Timotheus, who is my beloved child, and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church now we come back to this passage is our kind of main verse for this study uh positional truth is often people today say positional truth oh that's all nice and good but but uh you know tell me something that's practical and we would argue that this was positional truth is extremely practical in fact it is the basis of all christian practice and without it, you're not. I don't know what you're practicing. You might be practicing, but you ain't practicing the Christian life without positional truth. And uh, what's interesting here in this letter to the Corinthians is there were a place that loved knowledge. They were the wannabes of Athens. They wanted to be like Athens, who was known as a place of knowledge, known as a place of wisdom and philosophy. And Corinth was like the little brother that could never be as good. And the people there, it affected the church. It affected the church. And people, they, they, they would, oh, listen to Apollos. He's so smooth in his teaching. He's a great speaker. Oh, no, I like Paul. He's so, he's so dogmatic. And, and his logic is so, so uh, crisp, you know. Or then they'd say, Peter. Oh, he's so bold. He's not afraid to say, you know. You know, it's people today, they say, oh, that preacher, when he, I love it when he preaches, when he preaches, like he slaps you in the face. <laughs> I don't know, that, nobody ever said that. <laughs> but there's people that will say that. They say, I love a good fire, fire and brimstone message, right? And uh, so they emphasize different styles of teaching. And Paul is saying, style don't matter. What matters is the essence. And what is the essence of Paul's Christian life? In Christ. Living in Christ. Where you see yourself. How you identify yourself. How do you identify? It's in Christ. I'm in Christ. That's my new standing. That's my new merit. That's my new privilege. And that my Christian life flows out of that. So in looking at that, we have our little diagram up here that we often refer to that summarizes this, these concepts. We have one, two, three, and then we have four here. Now it's interesting, in 1 Corinthians uh, 2, you have, I actually say four types of Christians, but not Christians, four types of individuals. You have the natural or the soulish man, right? 
who's unsaved. You have the spiritual, right, who discerns all things. And then in chapter 3, you have the carnal, right, who is exhibiting the works of the flesh, divisions and strife, and it tells you over there. And they follow men, and they walk as men. Okay? When you're spiritual, you have a different empowerment. You're not walking as a man. But over here in 1 Corinthians 2, there's a fourth one, and it's the maturing. Okay? You can't mature without being spiritual. Okay? But just because you're spiritual, Tim mentioned this, he, I don't know if it was on Wednesday night or last Sunday, but some people act like being spiritual is the, the end-all, be-all. It is not. You can have the right attitudes, but not act on them. Just because you have the right attitudes, doesn't. just because you're empowered by the Spirit, doesn't mean you're going to do it. Okay? And that's where maturity comes in. Maturity is what you gain when you actually act on that empowerment. And God, you have different attitudes that God provides, and then you act on it, and that's growth. That's growth. Okay? Now, that, how does that relate to this over here? Well, this is... Some of this is foundational, that when you get saved, it, there, there are realities that come to be. Other things are things that happen after salvation. But for every believer, one and two happen instantaneously when you believe the gospel. When Christ died, when you believe that Christ died on the cross for your, for your sins, was buried and rose again the third day. When you believe that for your salvation, for your personal salvation, these things came true of you. You were placed into Christ by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit put you into Christ at the Father's right hand. Okay? Did anybody know about that? Does everybody here know about that? Yeah, everybody knows about it. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. We all know about that because we've read our Bible or we've sat in a Bible lesson. But we didn't know that when we believed. But the Bible says the Holy Spirit changes you in your position from being in Adam, which God counts all humanity to be in Adam, condemned to hell. Now, the Holy Spirit changes your status from that position to being in Christ. Instantaneously, at the same time, simultaneously, the Holy Spirit puts Christ into you. And this is, we call, this is part of regeneration. You become a child of God. He also puts the Father in you, which is why you're a child of God. And that gives you the ability to have different desires than you had before you were saved. Lots of different things. It gives you a new mind that allows you to think new thoughts. Well, part of that is this part, the number three. Now that these realities are in place, you can now set your mind to who you are in Christ. Right? You can set your mind to who you are in Christ, which is what the study has been about. We've been looking all through the New Testament. Paul said, I teach everywhere. Timothy's going to remind you of my ways which are in Christ. What are his ways which are, what ways which are in Christ? That's just in God's mind. You don't have ways which are in Christ. What do you get up in the morning and you say, Hi, God. How are you today? Heaven's looking pretty shiny. You had your spiritual housemaids cleaning up heaven. 
<laughs> I don't know. No, we didn't see anything because we weren't there physically. It's a position that Paul lived on down here based on who God said he was or it says he is up there, right? And that's the, the ways are down here. The ways is the path that he goes about in his life down here as he travels all over Asia visiting the churches. But who he is is up there in Christ. And that's the basis of how he lives down here as he went to all the churches and taught, this is the way to live. It's not by this teacher or that teacher or this person's style or that person's style or the wisdom of this guy that teaches on Mars Hill or this guy that Aristotle or Plato, Plato, not Plato, Plato. <laughs> or, you know, there's all kinds of philosophers from back in that day because it was a big thing. They were the rock stars of that, that time. Okay. No, that's not the way to live. It's... Who does God say you are in Christ? And set your mind to it. So number three is set your mind. Number four is would be the filling of the Spirit. Now Tim has been, was looking at this last week, I think it was on Wednesday night, about how you're filled to this uh, fullness. And the fullness is who God says we are in Christ with other believers. The Christ. You know, and this... That's what the fruit of the Spirit does. It allows you to live up to, in that moment, not fully, not like you are going to be at the rapture, but up to the level of what you understand about the Word, right? And in the circumstance, you're able to live out how God wants you to be in that moment in relationship to other believers. Or what, maybe you're there to witness to an unsaved person. Live up, that is a potential part of the body of Christ, right? And if they're elect... God sees it as, it's just a matter of, you know, did the chicken come before the egg or the egg, you know, and all that. You know. <laughs> but you're, it was interesting uh, when you looked at, uh, and I've thought about this before, but it brought it back to remembrance this morning when you looked at uh, Acts 5. Satan filled their heart to lie. Same word filled as the filling of the Spirit in Ephesians 5. It kind of gives you an idea of what part of what filling is. It's thoughts. It's thoughts. It's attitudes. Just as Satan filled their hearts to lie with an attitude, we're filled with attitudes. Okay? The Holy Spirit produces one fruit, and it's these attitudes. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faith, self-control. Okay? But that is an, it's an outgoing down here because of regeneration, because you have the nature of the Father and the life of Christ, but it's only possible because you live up in Christ. That's the actuator. It's the key. It's the ignition. What's that thing like, oh, that's always bad in, your, in, your, in the starter? The, what's that thing in the starter? The, uh, there's something when you turn the key that's uh, people... Ignition. I'm thinking of a different word, but... Solenoid, yes. Oh. <laughs> Me and Jim. Thank you, Jim. Uh, I'm always getting in trouble because of my sense of humor. And uh, sometimes Jen doesn't get my sense of humor. But me and McLean, we're like this. We're like this. McLean always gets 
what I'm laying down. I love it. I'm in trouble now. <laughs> We're going to have to explain the sympathy laugh later. <laughs> All right, all right, all right. So let's go to Second Thessalonians three. That was all introductory. We haven't been together for a few weeks, so I thought it'd be good to review the basis of this series. So interestingly enough, we were last week or last time together. We were in verse one and two. Let's just read for review's sake. Finally, brethren, worship concerning us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith, or have not the faith. But the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you that ye both do and will do the things which we command you, or that we charge you, and the Lord direct your hearts into the love for God and into the patience, and I'm going to say of the Christ, or concerning the Christ. Okay. Now, if you just read this flippantly, you might not see the positional truth here. I see it in several places. I would see it in up above where all men have not the faith, or the previously mentioned faith. Um, and then here, when you, it talks about the patience of the Christ, okay, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna comment right at this moment on how I'm seeing this, but let's look at some other passages, and then we'll come back and revisit this passage. Um, let's start by turning to First Corinthians twelve. And we read in verse 12, it says, For as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Now, as has been taught here many times, and as has been explained, in the Greek, the definite article, ha, precedes Christos. And that would be translated, the Christ. And if you just read it as the person of Christ, it's a very confusing statement. You'd be saying, okay, so the human body has many parts, many members, has arms and legs and ears and eyes and mouths and cheeks and elbows and knees and tibias and fibias and however you want it. You're right. And Christ has a body too. Okay, that's well and good. 
Christ did have a body and he became a man. Is that what this is communicating? It's not. It's not a revelation that Christ had a physical body. Yeah, that, that, that's made plain all through the Gospels. He had a physical body. He died physically. He was raised physically. That's not what this is saying. Christ had a physical body that had lots of different parts. And it's not talking about was. It's talking about is the Christ is right now. So also is the Christ. Right? Verbalist clause. You add the I, me. This is talking about the connection of believers that when we get saved, we each have a spiritual gift. So we have a different role in one union. We're all part of one thing. It's called the body of Christ. Okay. When seen with the head, who is Christ, that whole entity is identified as the Christ. Christ as the head and all believers as the body, all New Testament believers as the body, each with our different roles that the Spirit gives us. We don't choose them. The Spirit gives us that role. Right? So this verse very clearly lays out that this isn't talking about Christ the person, it's talking about Christ the entity. Okay? All right, with that said, let's look out, go, move on to this concept of patience. Turn to 1 Peter 2. Patience is a fun word study. It's not a lot of occurrences, so it's a, a nice study that you can do in your own devotionals. I'd say uh, between the verb and a couple different noun forms, you're looking at probably less than 30 occurrences. Okay, so it's a nice little devotional or Bible study that can be done. Um, the idea of patience is hupo meno, to remain under. Okay, now this is something that's learned as a Christian. It's not part of the fruit of the Spirit, but God does provide power so you can learn patience. Okay. Now, as an unsaved person, can unsaved people learn a degree of patience? Of course. Of course. But can saved people learn to be patient apart from God? Sure. Just like an unsaved person can. You can gain character from sticking with it and staying under a hard thing. You're going to learn that you, I was just watching something on the news recently, and this it was actually a governor of a state, and uh, it was uh, the one in North or South Dakota, the woman, Noam, yeah, she was. They were doing interviewing her, and she said, uh, um, "When I was a kid, I went through hard things. I think she lost her parents when she was young, and uh, but her dad was a trucker, drove in uh, one time. Uh, he was she was in the truck with her dad, and he hopped out and said, here, park it.'" And she'd never, she was just like a kid, like 10, 12 years old, something like that. And she was so scared. And she said she'd never been so afraid in her life. 
but she did park it and you know after that point she was not afraid of parking she wasn't afraid you know it, her level of belief in herself went up because she was entrusted with something very difficult and probably not that she would recommend doing that to a 10 year old but the point is this it kind of mirrors that passage in scripture even the son learned obedience through the things that he suffered, right? He learned obedience through the things that he suffered. It's called the patience of Christ, right? He suffered. Now with that said, as a Christian, God wants you to remain under circumstances that come in your life, not just by greeting your teeth, but by relying on God, by using God's way. And that develops another kind of growth. It's called growth. You actually, if you utilize the fruit of the Spirit when you remain under things, there's a different kind of glory to God, isn't it? Right? He's exhibiting what He can do through you instead of what He does in spite of you. I'm still saving Him even though He can't get it. I'm still saving Him. Even though they're not relying on me, I'm keeping my promise. Does that glorify God? Sure it does. He doesn't quit. He's not going to fail. But there's another glory of God that happens when we do it His way. When we do rely on Him. And the angels go, that's not Josh's love. That's not Josh's joy. That individual is relying on God. That's clearly God working through that. I've seen how he operates on his own. And the spirit beings that are witnessing, you know, there's spirit beings around the throne worshiping God day and night, day and night, in, in, never stopping. And there's never one person that ever says, ah, oh, he's not worthy. Because he is worthy. Right? So, we were turning to 1 Peter. I didn't forget. <laughs> I'm still not there. That transition just went on a little too long. When the transition becomes the message, you probably beat it to death. All right. <laughs> 1 Peter 2.20. Let's actually read from verse 18. It says, Slaves, be subject to your masters with all with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the twisted. For this is grace. If a man for conscience toward God endure grief. Okay. If he bears up under grief, suffering unrighteously. For what boast what fame is it if when ye have been buffeted for your own faults actually uh, and uh, sinning in the in the Greek ye shall take it but you shall endure it but if when you do well and suffer for it you take it patiently 
This is grace with God. This is grace with God. How is it grace? Now the grace with God, it's grace para God. It is grace alongside of God. Well, that's, that's all good and well, but if it's grace alongside of God, that doesn't do me much good because I'm down here. No. This is telling you how you actually do endure it. If you endure, is it an easy thing to endure being persecuted or suffering for no reason when it's unrighteous? Is that, oh, no problem. I'm a Christian. I know where I'm going. So I can put up with anything. Oh, it's easy for you. Not so easy for me. I don't like to be picked on. I don't like, I usually, I kind of want to, I want to get some, you know, somebody takes a little meat out of me, I want to take a little meat out too. I'm competitive that way. Okay? But if you remain under a situation and exhibit the character, that's not you. You don't deserve that. You don't deserve this. That is grace. That is grace. Para, alongside of God. And in Christ, you're right alongside of God. Because you're at the right hand of God. What is Ephesians? That's, that's actually Ephesians 1.6, isn't it? In Christ, I'm accepted. I'm graced in the Beloved. In Christ, I am graced. An act of grace. Grace is an attitude. So, is a verb. God is gracing me in this position. So now you get down here to planet Earth, and I see how weakling I have these little tiny muscles I put on this little stick figure. See how puny they are? I'm not putting them on there because I'm saying, look how great the Christian is. I'm putting them puny because you're not relying on those in the Christian life. You're not relying on these puny little... Mu you're, you're relying on the empowerment that comes from God when you set your mind on things above. You're getting the empowerment that comes from the Holy Spirit when He gives you the attitudes that are going to be basis of your conduct. It's going to allow you to keep going when you think things are unfair. See? And I'll, I'll point, love, doing what's best for others. You know, is it always easy to do that? Oh, if you're doing what's best for them because they deserve it, right? You're doing what's best for them, you know, for a mother. How often you got kids you're raising and you're doing what's best for them, and half the time, do they appreciate it? No, they don't appreciate it. They're snot-nosed little brats. They're little kids. They don't know any better. They're selfish. If you, I used to say this about my own kids when they were little, and I'm sure every one of us can say this that's had kids. Kids operate on envy, selfishness, and greed. That's the essence of the little kids. You know? 
if you, you know, and you, as, a, as a mother or a father, you're raising those kids, you're teaching them to deal with their emotions, how to be polite, you know, you're hoping they become saved. <laughs> right? Joy. You know, not the emotion joy, but appreciating God's will in the circumstances. It's, it's directed in Scripture always at negative situations. You're, you're, the things that are being taken from you in the, with the Hebrews. In James, it's you're falling into multifaceted temptations. Oh, yippee! No, it's not, a, it's not an emotional joy. It's, no, God has done this for a purpose. He wants me to exhibit and to rely on Him and use His way of escape and direct faith and love, all these different things. Peace. Have an unruffledness of mind in the midst of a turbulent situation. And what does peace do in Philippians 4, 7? It allows you to maintain your thinking. It specifically says this. It allows you to, it protects your mind so you can keep keeping your mind on things above so you don't lose your empowerment so you can go on in the situation remaining under it and build patience by the power of God. Okay? And we're not only told how to get that empowerment, we're told how to keep the empowerment. Because circumstances come in and we become short-sighted instead of seeing the promises of God. Okay, we can go on through every one of these. All right. So this First Peter 2 passage, it really points to this positional truth again. How do you take suffering, unrighteous, or suffering that's not through your own fault, how do you... How do you take it in the right way? By grace. By living in your position of grace. And it's interesting, you've gone in verse 21, for even unto were ye called, because Christ also suffered on our behalf, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Okay? It's one place where it says we walk in the steps of Christ in suffering. Interesting. Okay. All right. Turn over to uh, 2 Corinthians 6 4. So, uh, patience is always in regard to circumstances. 2 Corinthians. I'm in 1st Corinthians oops 2nd <laughs> Corinthians so I'm noticing as I'm getting older lately that things are too I'm like at what point do you got to get those glasses that those little writing doesn't give you a headache it actually proves evolution is true because the letters are gradually getting smaller and smaller as time goes by. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of like that shrinking gold they made the year I got married. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, um, Ben, Ben uh, got, I don't know if you noticed, but he's wearing some uh, readers. 
and he's been wearing them around his neck at work and he says yeah I have to wear them around my neck so people don't think I'm 30 years old that's what he's been trying to this is the line he's been trying to tell people I said people weren't thinking 30 they were thinking 13 Ben <laughs> we go back and forth we go back and forth um, anyway 2 Corinthians 6 um, and we were down in verse let's do verse but in all things approving ourselves or commending ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience in afflictions which is pressures in necessities in straits in stripes that's not prison stripes that's the red and the red stripes, the red blue stripes that come from being beat. In prisons, in tumults, or commotions, in labors, in watchings, in fastings, by purity, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness by the Holy Spirit, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor through glory and dishonor, through ill report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. O ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you, our heart is enlarged. You are not restrained by us, but ye are straightened in your own bowels. You are restrained in your own bowels. Now for a payback of the same, I speak as unto my children. Be ye also enlarged. Now, what a, yeah, this is a very emotional passage that he's saying to them. Okay, it's very easy for us to read this like we're in a laboratory and just read it. Like, No, this is happening in a circumstance. Paul's writing to the Corinthians and he is, he's feeling it for these believers. He's feeling it. It upsets him that what's happening with them. And he's going thing. it's not an odd thing that we go through hard things. He's communicating, I've gone through hard things. And he says that as he goes through this. Now, you see all these different circumstances when you go back. Pressures, necessity, distresses, stripes, imprisonments, tumults, labors, watchings, fastings. But then he goes in, those are all kind of negative circumstances. But then he starts then he starts laying out things of it's kind of like how he gets through them by pureness, by knowledge, by long, by long suffering. But that's how he was patient under them. Do you see that? By pure by knowledge, by long suffering, by by the Holy Spirit, by unhypocritical love, by by the power of God. You see that? So that follows up all those circumstances. Sometimes a tool doesn't, isn't exhibiting its use 
unless it needs to be used, right? So, what do they say? Necessity is the mother of invention. Is that, the, is that the, did I say it right? Sometimes I butcher those sayings, once in a while, once in a while. Um, so maybe the purpose, you know, we always think, we always make it about ourselves, right? And we go, why do I go through this hard thing? God, I never get good things. I, I always get the bad things. Why does why do so-and-so always have good stuff and I always get bad stuff? And, and you just can read the whole book of Job, right? Um, but we make it all about ourselves. But what if God wants to show out his kindness through you? What if God wants to show out his power? The, the circumstance don't matter. It's just the tool to show out the power of God. What if you change your perspective? And you stop having your little pity partner every time you have a difficulty. And you just welcome your circumstance and go, God decided he was going to use me as a tool today. And this is a circumstance. I can't change it. Let's get... You know, have you ever had a... You, you go and you need a hammer and you go pull out the hammer and the hammer says, Why do I always have to be the one that gets thrown down on the nail? <laughs> do we... Nobody would think that's odd? You're a hammer! You were made to hammer! Well, you're a Christian and you were born to suffer. See? Believe it. Be proud of what you're doing. God's using you for something. You're an instrument for His glory. Just see how a little change in perspective matters? It matters. You know, you... Uh, I know uh, Chris and uh, Rebecca have been going to the high spot in every state when they visit a state. Perspective matters. You get up at a high, you know, they say that in military. Go to a high point and so you can see the terrain. You know, see the, see the situation. It always changes your perspective. Every time I fly in an airplane, it changes my perspective. Are you that person that sits on the inside and don't care about what's going on? Or, you know, most people like to, I mean, even if you do like to sit on the inside lane, you usually look out the window and you're like, oh, what's it look like out there? You know, you might, yeah, I'm going to stay on the inside. I don't want to get too close, but, right? Because it's quite a thing to see perspective, right? Living in your position gives you a whole new perspective, Right? When you're living in Christ, whatever the pains of this life, they become a little less painful because you know there's an end to it. You know that you are not left without strength. You know you have a God that cares and it's going to be there with you every step of the way. So, 2 Corinthians 6, 4. Patience for the Christian is a patience that is to remain under circumstances with the character that God wants you to have. 
Turn to Romans 5. Now in Romans 5, I just want to turn back to the previous passage, just a couple verses. We go to chapter 4 as we, we're leading to chapter 5. Remember, there's no chapters in the original, uh, original text. These were put in by editors later. But we read in verse 24, For unto us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead who was delivered for our trespasses and was raised again because of our justification. I read because of. It reads for in your English, but it's dia, and it would be trans- so that we could be. He was raised so that we could be declared righteous. You come into chapter 5. Therefore, now the therefore says logically. Therefore, logically, because of what I just said, because he was raised so that we could be declared righteous, therefore, being declared righteous out from faith, we have peace facing God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? We're facing God. It's talking about this up here again. We're up there. We're seen to be at the right hand of God. And right there, you know, this indicates, you know, when we think of a throne, we think here's a throne and Christ, it's one big throne and Christ is to the right, right? And we're in here. We're, but evidently in this situation, it's more like this. See? Why, why, do you, why are you facing somebody? Because you're going to talk to them. Because you're going to talk. That's why you face somebody. Is because you're going to talk to them. Have you ever been with somebody that won't face you when you talk to them? Is that effective communication? You know. Especially if you start losing your hearing, you even more so want people to look. Look at me when I'm talking to you, right? Because you're actually not listening, you have to see their lips moving, right? I saw that. With, I can remember that with my grandpa. Uh, he would be staring at your lips the whole time, and sometimes he was just going, "Yep, yep, yep." He didn't know what you were saying, because <laughs> you knew, because he would be doing something else. I think he was being told, "Don't eat. You can't, Victor. You can't have ice cream," and he'd be eating ice cream. <laughs> you didn't hear it. <laughs> I, I don't know. But that's why you're, you're facing the Father. It's because you're facing, you have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's anticipating a communication to the Father because you have access. So verse 2, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and boast in hope of the glory of God. This isn't a Hope in the sense that I hope I get saved. I hope I, I'm shining in glory someday. No, this is the glory that you live up to that opinion that God has of us because we're in Christ. It's that 
hey, bad things are going to come. And God, the sweet and by and by might be a little farther off than I think. But there's bad things in this world right now. And can I be the person you want me to be now because I'm saved? And because we're in Christ, there's hope that we can. That we can be that person that God wants us to be. Because we can talk to him. We can set our mind to who we are in him. We have resources at our at our at our disposal. So in verse and not only so, but we boast in tribulations. How many of us are guilty of this? Are you boasting in your tribulations? I haven't heard anybody boasting in their tribulations. I had a flat tire. <laughs> hey. <laughs> but see, that is boasting in tribulation. Very good. But look how God brought me through it. And that's the boasting. It's not boasting and look how great I am. I had this difficulty and good thing I was working out all week because then I could lift the car and I carried it into Othello. You know, I didn't hear Jim say that. He said, I didn't know what I was going to do. And he was a little worried about it and he started communicating to God. What am I going to do? He gets there. And every God before Jim knew there was a problem, all the solutions were in place. It doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes God, the difficulty is a little more. But even then, are we left without help? We're not. We're not. We just don't know what the solution is sometimes. Or what he's trying to communicate. Or who he's trying to communicate it to. We're just a tool. Okay. We boast in tribulations also. Knowing that tribulation works our little word. Patience. Patience is a little thing that doesn't come out until you need it. I don't walk around with a level. I don't walk around with a square. I don't walk around. Now, I walk around with a box cutter every day because I need it every day. I walk around with a pen every day because that's part of what I use every day. I walk around, right? But there's a lot of things I don't carry around with me all the time. And you wouldn't know that I have them. Because I don't have a need for him every day. But you always have the fruit of the Spirit at your disposal. It just takes one change, one flip of the switch. And you can be thinking on things above. And the fruit from the Spirit are at your disposal. For any circumstance. For any trial. For any tribulation, for any difficulty, and you pick up these tools that God's given us, and we use them, and then we become His tool to exhibit and be used for what He wants. Okay. So in verse 4, it says, And patience works approvedness and approvedness hope 
What a beautiful circle, isn't it? It's a beautiful circle. It's a circle of hope, not a circle of life. This ain't no Lion King thing. <laughs> you know, uh, the Holster House had roar. My dad, at, when I was a kid, our family had lion. And I can remember we loved it too. And we didn't really run around the house. This, our game involved dad going around on his knees and we would jump on top of him and try to get him on the ground. But then we would always end up on the ground and he'd eat our stomach. And we would, we'd be laughing. So I don't know if every family has this, but I remember it being a good time. And he'd be too tired sometimes. And you'd be, dad, lion, 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 right? But, uh, yeah. So hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which is given unto us. That verse is kind of like saying, so you're saying hope is the cause of all these trials I'm going through? Hope? Hope? You want me to have hope? The only way to get more hope is to go through trials and then when I go through it right, then I get more hope. It's not to put you to shame. It's not to put you to fail. It's to, for you to have success. So you can see the love of God in your life. You have the love of God. Let's let it be poured out. It is poured out. But if you have the love of God and you're always bitten, getting, uh, getting in the quagmire of your difficulties and you're not able to utilize the love of God and you're not getting to be utilized to your full purpose, that's a, that's a horrible cycle of failure to be in. You got to welcome. You got to welcome the pain. It sounds like a horrible... Uh, Self-improvement speech, doesn't it? You do. You got to welcome the pain. You got to welcome the difficulty. We got to stop being surprised when we get slapped in the face. You know, they say that when you go, uh, when you're uh, CPR, that's one of the lessons you learn. You're, when, you're, when you're watching, you're supposed to watch where they're at. You're supposed to keep your head above water and you're going out to them. Life-saving, yes. You're going before the CPR. You're going out to get them in the water, and you got to be watching them. And the first thing you do, they they'll grab onto you and drown you. So the, for sometimes you have to be assessing that. And if you think you need to really surprise it, you might have to hit them right in the face to get them to put their hands down and grab them from behind and start bringing them in. Okay, and that's how most of us are. Not in a life situation, but more like a lion threatening the gazelle situation. We're surprised and we're frozen into immobility and we fail. Not talking about satanic attack, just life in general. Life just slaps you in the face. And we're just like, <laughs> I just got slapped in the face. Can you believe that? Can you believe that what just happened to me? I just got slapped in the face. And it's all drama. <laughs> I'm being effective here. <laughs> okay. We got to realize we're going to get, wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to get slapped in the face today. It's going to happen. Somebody's going to insult me. Somebody's going to rub it, you know, do something to rub me the wrong way. 
Somebody's going to, whatever. Are you going to be used as a tool of God? Or are you going to act like a little toddler? Right? Paul said, I live in Christ. I have a way where I live in Christ. And faithful Timothy is going to come and tell you and remind you about my ways, which I teach everywhere. And Timmy is going to remind you the way to deal with circumstances in this life is living in Christ. Let's go back to 2 Thessalonians. So again, maybe I'm just somebody that reads everything into a passage. Or am I? Is this really talking about positional truth here? Is this an allusion to positional truth? In 2 Thessalonians 3, when he says, But the Lord is faithful who shall establish you. God, that, that established word is a, whole, is a loaded word too. It goes back to Romans 16. You're established in Christ by a grace, of identity of Christ. Oh, man. There's a whole gospel related to this. But we're not going to look at that, right? Who shall establish you and keep you from the evil? And we have confidence in the Lord touching you that ye both do and will do the things which we command you. And the Lord direct your hearts unto into the love for God and into the patience of the Christ. When it brings to you the patience, everything we just looked at, remaining under things with the character that God wants you to have. How do you have it? By living in Christ. But then it brings in this idea of the patience of the Christ. Why do you remain under? Well, love. How do you love God? How do you love God? Oh, I thought it was by saying I love God. You're... Are you a nitpicker, Ronnie? Yeah. First John tells us you can't love the Father who you can't see. You can only love the brethren who you can. That's how you love the Father is by loving the brethren. But it's too hard. Circumstances get in the way, and I have a job, and I have a family. And I have fill in the blank. And I have hot dogs to eat tomorrow. <laughs> now, I, I was going to bring this up earlier, but the National Hot Dog Eating Contest is always on July 4th. We can do it. The record, you're going to have to bring a lot more because oh. the record right now is 76. I'm too short. <laughs> That's for the males. We could have a, a contest for the women. The record is like 33. So we have enough for two women to compete. Anyway, we'll see. I'm sure that'll be on the news on uh, Wednesday morning. But we, when it says the patience of the Christ, why you don't just remain under for yourself so that you can stop being plagued by difficulties of your own fall or, or just being under difficulties for no reason. 
when you remain under it the way God wants, now it's suffering for a purpose. It brings a whole new mentality to doing it. If you, if you, if you fail under every circumstance and you don't rely on God, do you stop suffering? No. You just suffer and you're miserable while you suffer. That's, is that a double? Uh, yeah, anyway. But do you know there's actually relief when you suffer under things the right way? There's actually relief when you have empowerment from God to do it. It doesn't make it easy, but it, there's a measure of relief that comes from knowing that you're doing what God wants. And you're just, you didn't bring this upon yourself and God's allowing you to go through it for his glory. There's a measure of relief. <clears throat> but here, it's the patience of the Christ. And you're suffering and there's an aspect of it where it's for. Why do you remain under? It's because of love. So that you can love other believers and be an example. You can be used in their lives. The Christ. We're all interconnected. And we need one another. You, you, you suffer under things the right way. So you can continue to be a positive influence for other believers. And to continue to have that nourishment that comes from Christ through the Holy Spirit for other believers out of love. And it's love for the Father. I always remember that. When other people do something for my benefit, I don't think, oh, I'm such a nice person. Surely they love me. <laughs> of course. It's obvious. No, it's humbling. It's because they love God. It's because they love the Father. Okay? It's because they love the Father. All right. That's all we got today. Let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We just continue to be astounded at uh, your word, this revelation that you've given. Um, no human being could have come about this on their own. We know men wrote this, but we also know that they were moved by the Holy Spirit to do so. And as they wrote down the words from their mind, they were moved to write the thoughts from your mind. And so, Father, we thank you for these things. We thank you for your word. It really does take us to the greatest heights and the lowest lows. We just think of the events of this week, Father. Whatever trials might come before us, we ask that we would be those that see ourselves at your right hand alongside of you and that we take advantage of the opportunity to cast our cares unto you, to rely on you, and to depend on you. Amen.